I'm Joe. My mum's name is Aileen, and you're listening to My Mum Missed Marvel. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is a collection of 23 films, which have grossed a combined total of over $22.5 billion at the box office alone. It's the largest film franchise of all time, and has been a big part of my life for the past 11 years. For my mum, not so much. And I, I will always emcee you. Oh, Joe! Every week you have me just on edge of my seat to see what elaborate intro you'll come up with this week. No, it's 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 all fun and games here on My Mum Missed Marvel, the podcast in which my mum... Hello! And I watch the MCU one film at a time. And, uh... <laughs> and we have my fun along the and, uh... way. <laughs> right, and this is a very exciting episode of My Mum Missed Marvel. We're finally watching Black Panther, yeah. the film which way back in episode zero, you mentioned having heard about in the zeitgeist when it was coming out. Yes, definitely, because... It... Now, I'm not sure whether it's a completely black cast or whether it was a predominantly black nearly complete cast. but not yeah. not quite but nearly complete yeah yeah so it was a massive social phenomenon at the time yes. and actually quite outrageous that it had taken so long for you know, for such a film to be made absolutely yeah yeah this was a very long time coming it goes back to the quote from Jaiman Hunsu in Guardians of the Galaxy where i think his son said to him that he wanted to be white or have pale skin so that he could be like spider-man yeah and yeah. The MCU has had supporting black actors and actresses throughout mm -hmm. the MCU, but this is the first time, amazingly, that an MCU film is being led by a black actor. And yeah. the other films that were coming out in the DC EU as well at the same time mm -hmm. also hadn't had a mm -hmm. black lead before. So there have been superhero films, which came out quite a while ago, which have black leads, such as Blade, but mm -hmm. there aren't very many, and certainly in the MCU and in current films there are far too few so this Indeed. film had a really really big cultural impact when it totally. came out largely for those reasons yeah right so we have seen black panther before in civil war yes was played by the late great chadwick boseman Indeed. what do you remember of black panther as the character what he looked like what he was up to what his motivations were. He had a little bit of a character arc in that film as well. Do you remember anything about well, him? Well, we, we saw his father, the king of Wakanda, and he had got blown up in mm -hmm. one of the explosions. The and... thing that Zemo was framing Bucky with, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. So the prince, so Black Panther, who was the king's son, mm -hmm. was out for personal revenge because his father had been killed. And I'm assuming he's now king of Wakanda. Yes, he became king as soon as his father died in the film. Yeah. So he was king for the majority of Civil War, yeah. Yeah. And his character, the Black Panther, is extremely nimble on his feet. Yeah. He can land silently. And, uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I can't remember too much else about what powers did he have other than just agility and... So his suit was vibranium. I think they mentioned that his suit was vibranium. Oh, yeah. So it was like bulletproof. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He scratched... Cap's shield, which was pretty cool. Oh, the, you know, yes. the shield has never really gotten he damaged did. like that before. I think the paint has come off before, but it's <laughs> never been physically damaged okay. by something. And I think just the last bit that we remember was that he went on this quest for vengeance. But at the end, do you remember how that storyline came to a head? Oh, you're 
Test so he corners yeah. Zemo in the snow, and Zemo tries to commit suicide, but Black Panther stops him and says, vengeance is consuming them, I won't let it consume me. So he seemed to go on a bit of a personal journey in that film, whilst right. loads of other stuff was going on. So kind of amazing that he got a full character arc in that film. Yeah, but yes. yeah, yes, that's right. Yes, I do remember that last scene in the snow now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we've seen a little bit of him, but now it's finally time his time in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. So Black Panther... It stars Chadwick Boseman, who is Black Panther. We've also got Michael B. Jordan, who I think you'll know from The Wire, mainly. Um, he was the young guy in the uh, season one of The Wire. Oh, good all. Right. He's also been in a lot of other stuff, like Creed. Speaking of Creed, the director of the film is Ryan Coogler, who also directed Creed. Okay. We have Lupita Nyong'o, who was in Us, the horror film, the Jordan Peele horror film that came out a little while ago. I know that. Okay, we have Denai Guerrero, who is best known for her role on The Walking Dead, a TV show that you and I don't watch, but was pretty big, I think, especially in America a little while ago. And we have Letitia Wright, who was in an episode of Black Mirror and has also been in a bunch of UK-based stuff over the years. I might recognise her and Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, she was in one episode of Doctor Who, apparently. She was in an episode of Doctor Who with Clara. Okay. So... If we haven't fully blocked out that section of Doctor (laughs) Who from our minds, you might recognise her. (laughs) There are a bunch of other people, but I also wouldn't like to mention too much about those. So that leaves us with a little bit of background on the film's reception, which we've already spoken a little bit about. So this film had a really, really big impact. It was the highest grossing solo superhero film at the time that it came out. Ah. So higher than Iron Man, higher right. than you know the first Captain America and all of those things. That doesn't count ensemble films like Avengers and Civil War. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of confusing. I've been trying to look up how much it actually made in comparison to other things and where it is on the rankings some sites don't use adjusting for inflation some do adjust for inflation some sites are calling it the highest grossing superhero film of all time some are saying that it's third but then they might be taking into account films that come out after it i think the main important thing is that it made a huge amount of money and marvel wasn't actually expecting it to make as much money as it did right it also has a 96% or at some point had a 96% approval rate on Rotten Tomatoes, uh-huh. which is on Rotten Tomatoes, you say if you like it or you didn't. So yeah, that's just 96% of people liked it. Yeah. And that's pretty It was unusual nominated for Oscars. Yes, that's higher than high... Iron Man and The Dark Knight and stuff. It, it's, I think, the highest superhero one there, perhaps. Okay. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. So it had this big, huge impact and people really like it. It also has received critical acclaim and it was nominated for some Oscars and stuff. Mm -hmm. It won several Oscars as well, actually, I think partly for costume design. Mm -hmm. To then try to vaguely temper your expectations, it doesn't have like the highest IMDb score in the world. People really like it. I think it's good, but it's not, you know, the film to end all films. Don't be expecting a perfect masterpiece here. It's still an MCU film. It still has some problems. Okay. And there's definitely still some people who were having the MCU fatigue during this and so just kind of weren't a big fan of it because it didn't change things up enough. Ah, uh, right. Although okay. I think if you were a, pretty... a diehard fan, you mean? Um, maybe. I'm not sure. Just people who were getting a little bit bored of the MCU there are still people who are saying that this film isn't amazing and doesn't fix all the problems okay. and stuff. So it isn't you know, a perfect film. Okay. It's just a very culturally impactful and critically well-received film as well. Right. So, yeah, I just wanted to try and make everything not be completely glowing with praise just in case okay. there were some things that you didn't like <laughs> and so you felt uncomfortable mentioning those problems. 
but yes, I'm still very excited to see this. I realised last week, well, I've, I've realised in between recording these two episodes, since Thor Ragnarok, apart from Infinity War, which is coming up next week, and one other very big one, I actually haven't seen any of these films twice. So I haven't seen Thor Ragnarok twice, this one, and then any of the other okay. smaller films twice, because this film came out in 2018. Which We're is getting not pretty that, close yeah, to present right, day. Not that long yeah. ago. Uh-huh. Okay. So by the time it was out on streaming services and DVD and everything, mm-hmm. I was basically doing this podcast, essentially. So you don't know it as well as you know some of the other films then? Is that, is no. that the implication? Yeah, I, I've seen it the once. I think I remember it pretty well, because it wasn't too long ago. Yeah. And I remember liking it a lot. Yeah. But yeah, in the most recent couple of years, I suppose, I've mainly just been going back to things like Civil War and you okay. know, some real highlights. I haven't really done a full rewatch right. until this podcast. Yay. So. <laughs> we'll see how it looks on a second viewing and on a first viewing for you. Yeah. You got any expectations or anything, Mom? Well, um, I'm anticipating that I will enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I'm certainly looking forward to seeing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll see you on the other side. Fantastic. See you there, Mum. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome back, Mum, to your 17th consecutive guest spot on the podcast. Nice to have you back. Thank you, except I'm not a guest. I'm one of the hosts, actually. <laughs> uh, we can have this conversation <laughs> later if you'd like, if, you, if uh, you're yeah. wanting a promotion. Yeah, what right. did you think of Black Panther, Mum? Oh, I liked Black Panther. It I was, was cool, ex- right? I was expecting to like Black Panther, and I did like mm-hmm. Black Panther. Yes. And I love it for the kind of cultural significance of it as mm-hmm. well. So, and the acting was fantastic. Yep, really great supporting cast of characters. Yep, yep, and some some interesting uh, moral dilemmas. Absolutely, yeah. This is definitely one of the ones that has a villain that catalyzes this mainly, but mm. makes the villain super interesting as well. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Right. So, I think we've got a general impression here. Do you want to make it official? Did Very that nice. Come over? Yeah. <laughs> Just generally assume it's fine. Okay. <laughs> and Unless you tell me on the mic. If, if it's really, really bad, I'll go and find one from somewhere else. It disappoints me every time, that bell, because it's a proper bell and everything out of a game, and it never dings quite as clearly as I would like it to. Well, now we've had our mandatory <laughs> weekly check-in with the bell. Mum, would you like to give everyone a brief recap of what happens in Black Panther? <laughs> Yes, um, I should point out that this is the. I think I think this is the first film where we've actually recorded the intro, watched the film, and recorded the discussion all on the same day. I know. Yeah, this is cutting edge. This is basically first impressions of the film. Essentially, we haven't had much time edge. to digest. So I've not had time to do my normal little summary or anything like that. I haven't googled um, any fancy words that I can use to try and upstage you. <laughs> So I don't know whether that, that it might actually mean that it's fresher in my mind. Of course. Let's see how it goes. I suppose so let, I let the listeners be the judge. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'll try and keep it short because I know I tend to waffle a bit. <laughs> the waffling is not, what we're here for. I'm not promising though. Okay. <laughs> do you want to do you want to reference your classic Stroop waffle post that you made? <laughs> <me to do? laughs> um, no, it would take too long. <laughs> Pop a Stroop waffle on top of a coffee cup. The kind of caramel inside the Stroop waffle melts. It's a, a total revelation. <laughs> Try it if you've not tried it already, folks. This was the first thing <laughs> Mum said to me when we started talking this morning. 
<laughs> I totally just discovered it. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sorry, Mum. Go ahead with the recap of Black Panther. Okay. <laughs> so this film is actually following on from Civil War. This is how T'Challa becomes king and what happens immediately afterwards. Sure. It starts off with a nice little, uh, a young boy obviously asking his father, tell me the story about the old days. Mm -hmm. So there's a nice little kind of um, origin tale about how a meteorite hit the earth in the middle of Africa and five warring tribes fought over what had landed, which was a great force. It was a meteorite of vibranium. A meteorite of vibranium. The magic metal that lets people do anything in the MCU. So they all wanted a piece. So four of the tribes decided to kind of unite together and one tribe went off into the mountains who weren't having anything to do with it. So mm-hmm. that was a, that was a nice little kind of myth to start it all off. Which an kind exposition of dump. How, an exposition dump, is that what That's kind of what you could call it. It's just, it's just a bunch of exposition that can't really be woven into the story in any organic way, so they just dump it at the they beginning in a little CGI sequence, yeah. Okay, so it kind of explains how the Black Panther gets his powers, I guess. Um, and this is the the origins of Wakanda. Yes. Yeah, Wakanda. yeah, it has the origins of the first Black Panther and stuff. Okay. So anyway, T'Challa becomes king after a sort of ceremony, which is called the Challenge Day. So mm-hmm. being the king's son, he is then put up to be king, but anybody else from any, the other tribes can challenge him. Yeah. And he is challenged by one of the other tribes. I can't remember all the names, so if the names are significant, you're going to have to fill this Ooh. in. I can't remember the name of the tribe. The guy's name is Mbaku. Mbaku, right. So there is a... there is a, he, he gets his superpowers taken away, his significant mm-hmm. point, so that it's an equal equal fight. And he, he beats the other guy in battle, but also significantly gives him the option to concede rather than killing him, which the, which the guy does concede. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of establishes... That establishes T'Challa as, as the king. Of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Yep. We then see the Andy Serkis character called Clow, Ul- Ulysses Claw. Claw, that's right, who's played by Andy Serkis. <laughs> he's, he's a villain, so he has a villain name on his name. He is does, Claw. that's right, yeah. Who has managed to get hold of some vibranium because a Kawandan, I'll come back to this later, has actually given him it. A Wakandan? Uh huh. So they go to South Korea to try and intercept Andy Serkis. And in this casino in South Korea, Agent Ross is there, played by Martin Freeman. Yep. So T'Challa and two female accomplices are in the casino. Okoye and Nakia. Yes. Andy Serkis comes in with his henchmen. Agent Ross is there with his CIA men. So there's a big fight in the casino. T'Challa wanted Mm -hmm. to bring Serkis back alive, captive. Yep. There is a very cool car chase. <laughs> I liked the little actions you were doing with your hands there. It looked nothing like driving a car. It's kind of like a little shuffly dance. Okay. Anyway, there's a cool car chase. But it doesn't... Uh, Agent Ross actually manages to get Circus into a CIA place where they tie him up and he starts interrogating him. But there is a jail bust, basically, and mm-hmm. Andrew Circus's people get him free so T'Challa doesn't manage to take him back to Wakanda yep so one of the guys that was involved in the breakout 
because T'Challa sees a ring around his neck that he recognises, is revealed to be somebody that we had actually come across right at the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. who is in fact T'Challa's nephew. No. T'Chaka's nephew. T'Chaka's nephew. So it's his cousin. Yes. Yeah, it's T'Challa's yeah. cousin. Because we had seen earlier on that King T'Chaka had gone to Oakland, California to see his younger brother, who was mm-hmm. there kind of as a spy. Yep. But actually had double-crossed him by providing vibranium to Claw. He'd stolen some vibranium with Claw in order to arm the populace, give people the ability to fight back. That's right. That's right. Um, we've seen that right at the beginning. Also right at the beginning, um, although it wasn't entirely clear, but right, at, we also saw that there was a young boy playing mm. down um, yeah. in the baseball court. Uh, sorry, so that's basketball revealed court. to be... Yes, that's revealed to be Eric Killmonger. Who is the son of um, King T'Chaka's brother. Brother, yes. Um, and when they did, So he killed his own brother because he'd been a traitor, basically. Yes. And left the boy there, left the nephew there. Fatherless and alone, yeah. Yeah. That young boy grew up and was a young, we had seen him in a previous scene in a museum looking at an axe that was made of vibranium that he you had could... actually then helped claw steel. So that had introduced that that young boy growing up who was called Killmonger. Or was that a yes. nickname was Killmonger? I think it was, but on the IMDb page, because I'm sure it said his actual name, it's Eric something, but on his IMDb credit, it says Eric Killmonger, so I'm not entirely sure. Right. I was under the impression that Killmonger was like his call sign moniker type of thing. I didn't even know he was called Eric, it was just because you said Eric, but Killmonger was what they called him, wasn't it? I think he had a full regular name that didn't involve Killmonger, but I can't remember okay. what it is. okay. So there's a whole lot of family stuff involved in this as well. Circus has escaped. Mm-hmm. We're then back in Wakanda again. There is another challenge. What happens is that Killmonger actually turns up back in Wakanda to challenge the king. Have I missed it? Having, huge... having betrayed Claw and brought his dead body along with him because Claw was someone that the Wakandans very much wanted to capture. Yes. So he kind of confronts T'Challa. He exposes who his lineage essentially and what happened and then makes a claim for the throne. So some people are on his side, some people aren't on his side. So he's kind of making a power play for the control of the whole place. And then yes. he challenges T'Challa for the title of kingship and Black Panther. That's right. So they have the they have the fight. He appears to win the fight. He Well he tucks T'Challa off the off a waterfall. Of the waterfall yeah. down into the ravine. Mm-hmm. He then Gets the magic potion, which gives him the power. Yep. He becomes the king. And T'Challa's mother, sister and girlfriend then go off into the, the realm of the fifth tribe that had kind of gone off on its own before. And they mm-hmm. at, and they find T'Challa, who's not dead after all. One no. of the, one of the Mbatu, fishermen. Umbatu and his tribe have found him and are him. sort yeah. of trying to nurse him to health, but not really being able to do it. So they managed to bring him back to health. By giving him the Black the, Panther power giving flower. Yeah, yeah. Nakia had stolen one before Killmonger burnt down the rest of them. That's right. 
so he then comes back and so the big final action scene is a huge big fight between T'Challa who comes back to challenge Killmonger, Killmonger who had usurped him before but also his previous friend, T'Challa's previous friend has actually joined the side of Killmonger mm-hmm. and then at the last minute the fifth tribe come in and fight on the side of T'Challa Yes and there's rhinoceros and rhinoceroses. <laughs> and there are rhinos involved. Yeah, that's the best Good bit. Lord, that's the worst bit. <laughs> that's the best bit when the rhinos come charging in. How didn't you like that? That was awesome. They were so big. Dear, dear, they had like dear. armor on them and stuff. Mom, it was so cool. So you know, rightful justice prevails, and T'Challa uh, again becomes king. Kills Killmonger. Kills Killmonger, whether he's actually dead or not, I'm never very sure in the Marvel films. But anyway, that 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 guy dies. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he, so. he he chooses death. He cho- well, over... he, he says at some point it's better to die and bond. It's basically a reference to slave. He says slaves. He says, "Bury me at sea, or throw me in the sea, so that I could be with my brothers and sisters who jumped off the boats because they knew that." Death was better than bondage. Death was better than bondage, that's right. That was yes. Okay. Um, and then the final scene is T'Challa at the United Nations saying that they've decided after all to share the knowledge, the kind of advanced technology that they've had that the rest of the world didn't know that they'd had. Mm-hmm. To come out of the shadows and to start yeah, working with the start world. Working with the world. Fantastic. Right, well, well done, Mum. <laughs> So, are there any specifics that you would like to start off with? Well, actually, there's quite... We have to say, we have to applaud the film for its cultural significance, for the representational mm-hmm. role, for providing the, the role models to young black kids. Yep. The whole kind of cultural thing and the fact that all the characters, or all, all the main characters, you know, were black and were strong and... You know, they weren't incidental characters. Was mm-hmm. it was such a long time in coming in films absolutely. generally, but also in the MCU. So absolutely, you know, good tech point. You've got to give them that. There's a there's a test that they use for women in films called the Bechdel test. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I have. Did yeah. I mention it before? We might have mentioned it in t- in relation to women in the MCU. I actually um. I actually heard about this test from someone other than you, Mum. Did you? I who know, you, yeah. It's almost like I have from? a full life. It's just quite a well-known <laughs> test, I think, Mum. The Bechdel test, yeah. Yeah, well, it's like we're two... If you've got women represented in fiction and two of them have a conversation, are they talking about something other than a man? Are they there it, for... Yeah. It's can, they ha- can two female characters have a conversation for over a minute which doesn't mention a man? Yeah. Right, so it absolutely passed the equivalent of the Bechdel test. You know that that you know mm-hmm. this was not just thrown yep. in some. So good on them, and mm-hmm. and I think it was pretty good to see the uh, you know there were I'm a lot. I'm pretty sure it also actually passed the Bechdel test. Oh, absolutely, it passed that as well. Yes, yes, yes. There were a lot. There were a lot of um. There were a lot of good female characters, and you know the kind of Amazonian women. You know the main bodyguards of of the tribe that. T'Challa was part of, mm-hmm. you know, they they were women and they were strong women and one of the main characters was was the woman. The his sister, Shuri, yeah, was you know was a good character, was a smart one, was the one who advanced all the technology and everything. So yeah, I really like Shuri. Yeah. yeah, Shuri was good. 
So they were good female characters. However, none of them were kings or anything. You, you know, they, they weren't ruling yeah, the tribes or anything. Yeah, the line of succession. Yeah. Yeah, the line of succession was still very much there because there was a queen who was just the queen mother. The crown was definitely wasn't going to her at all. That's right. That's right. So although there were yeah. good, strong female characters, there were still issues with it. Hmm. And although there were good, you know, it was good to bring in the African heritage and all the, you know, the sort of influence of the, the scenery, the savannah, although I gather it wasn't shot in Africa, actually, anyway. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not the, actually the, sure it was shot. The, the music and the dress and all that music kind of thing. Was there, was great. Good, yeah. there was a good kind of there was a good kind of African heritage in there. But both that and the women's stuff, it was still Hollywood. You know, it was still a Hollywood mm-hmm. film. And actually it wasn't as hard hitting as it might have been, I felt. Yes. That's a good point, I think. So the main interesting thing at the heart of it is this moral dilemma of Wakanda has all of this power, all of this technology, and they've been living in the shadows with a literal force field that blocks off any sight of what their city looks like to the rest of the world. Mm. And throughout the MCU, when all of this stuff has been happening, Wakanda has been keeping to itself. And that's just kind of been the status quo. It's their tradition. It's how they have been protecting themselves. It's how a lot of different characters put it. And the big question is Killmonger is the agent of change that wants Mm. them to be sending out in a very active way lots of support and lots of weapons to suppressed peoples all around the world. And he makes the large case for black people around the world who are being repressed. And T'Challa's character arc is kind of coming from the traditional Wakandan yeah. point of view into accepting that they have a responsibility. It's essentially great with great power comes great responsibility, responsibility. And yeah. it's him learning that in his own way on a much larger scale than just with his great power as Black Panther, he should be saving people. It's also that his civilization and his culture has a great power and they have the responsibility to start working with the rest of the world. And it's really cool. It, the bad guy, I think works a lot because of the good points that he makes. He's just an extremist. He goes very, very far with how much he'd like Mm. to do this. And I think that the question at the heart of it is a very interesting one. It's probably not as in focus as it could have been. How how would you want it to have been more in focus? I actually think there are two separate points there. Okay. The point I was making was about representing the African heritage and getting the black cultural history in mm-hmm. was done in quite a safe way and in some areas I felt quite a cliched way. I okay. feel slightly awkward talking about this because I'm not a black person and what do I know? Sure. And talking at a point from my point of view of white privilege who am I to say you know I don't have black lived experience and maybe it is so rarely depicted on scene that whether it's cliched or not then that's okay Um, what were those things that didn't feel particularly genuine to you I felt that some of the depiction of all the tribes particularly the waterfall scene where they were all Mm -hmm. in their traditional robes and Hmm. you know with the lip discs and things um, it just seemed a wee bit Hollywood okay but I was thinking a similar thing along the way. I was because there's um there are parts of it which, when they have their big city, some of the city has kind of a big skyscraper and then a thatched roof off to the side uh-huh. attached to the skyscraper, and I was wondering 
whether that was along the similar lines of kind of Hollywoody type thing, like you're saying, or if it's because we've got these inbuilt biases to seeing these very traditional African things as uh-huh. things that are incongruous with having a big skyscraper, and maybe that's just kind of our own biases working. It might be. It might be. That's what I'm saying. I feel slightly uncomfortable talking about this, but also things like um, hmm. the there 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 were references to the slave trade and mm-hmm. to colonization, and they talked about colonizers and oppressors, and you know, good, absolutely right. I kind of felt there wasn't. A, I should have been feeling more uncomfortable about it. You it know, could all, have been all a the, larger dis- focus, yeah. Yeah, all the discussion now about making white people feel uncomfortable because of their possession of white mm-hmm. privilege. I didn't feel uncomfortable enough. Sure, I think I think because it's kind of the larger question, which is interesting, is sort of overshadowed by the fact that there is a superhero film happening as uh-huh. well and yep. he's clearly a really bad guy so although yep. he raises some good points and does in the end catalyze change like a good antagonist yeah he is so clearly aggressive and self-focused that i mean maybe not self-focused but you know he, he's he grabs the nice lady that gives him the black panther powers by the throat when she just says excuse me you want us to burn the flowers like yeah. she doesn't even yeah. straight up say no i don't think He's really rude to everyone that he meets. He's incredibly, yeah. But But because there's so much focus on him, it kind of undermines part of it. But that's the second issue. You see, I think they're distinct issues. The second issue is actually exploring what they raised, that moral dilemma of what's the best way to tackle oppression? What is Mm -hmm. the best way to tackle oppression? Do you do it by working through the United Nations and... You know, right. um, working on a global stage and protecting your own nation and and making progress where you can. Or mm-hmm. if you've done that and tried that and it hasn't worked, to what extent is more violent individual acts yeah. um, justified? To what extent is that more is that legitimate? So I actually felt that the, the, there were two separate things. There was that question, which is mm-hmm. a really tricky one. And then there was the other more kind of cliched Hollywood, how are you depicting a, a race and a heritage and um, sure, that thing. Sure, sure. I think it might be fair to say that it raises a lot of these questions without delving too far into them. I mean, in the exposition bit at the beginning, when it's running through the rest of history and it's giving examples of uh-huh. the rest of the world yeah. fighting whilst yeah. Wakanda yeah. is flourishing, yeah. it shows... Slaves being led onto a ship, yeah. as well as showing, I think, World War One or World War Two. Yeah. And then there's obviously his final line, but his final line almost seems to come not out of left field, but it doesn't feel fully, not fully in character, but it, it's almost a little bit surprising when he says it. You know that that's what his stance would be, I suppose, but I guess maybe the film was just missing a couple more scenes in which they really debate their worldviews as opposed to him arriving and immediately it going into them fighting and then T'Challa is thrown over over the cliff and then as soon as he comes back, they fight again. Yeah. It, it could have maybe used a scene where he has a slightly... Killmonger has a slightly longer dialogue with some people explaining his position yes. in more detail. Yes. It could also probably have done with some of the traditional Wakandans or T'Challa or both going out somewhere and seeing stuff for themselves a little bit more. Although I guess it's it's explained that they have been keeping tabs in the rest of the world so they are aware of it. Mm. So maybe the whole T'Challa goes out and sees how bad it is in some places wouldn't work because mm. it's assumed that they do know how bad it is in mm. some places. I'm not entirely sure. It's just, yeah, 
maybe not f- as fully explored as it could have been. I think it should have been more. Uh, it could have been more explored, but hmm. I don't know what the film was trying to do. They, they were, after all, they are making a superhero action film. Yeah, they did raise some important issues. Yes, the fact that the film was made is a huge plus point, and a, you know, mm-hmm. not taking anything away from that. And as a first step, maybe that's absolutely fine. And you know, they kept they kept the audience there, kept the audience with them. But there was sure. a lot more there that could have been explored. And actually, a couple of other things that didn't come across. We got quite a lot about the, the Wakandans in Africa. We got very little about the black kids in Oakland, California. Yeah, yeah. You know, and also Killmonger, his background, his traumatic background and his father being killed, etc. So, you know, the, well, that is a damaged individual. You know, there mm-hmm. was actually, there wasn't a huge kind of exploration of that either as to how he might have ended up like that. And yeah. you could just say, okay, that was just a rogue. Actually, I don't think it is a rogue because the position he was taking is a legitimate position to take anyway. Hmm. But, you know, th- there was an awful lot in there behind all that that could have been gone into more. But yeah. then... I agree. It's kind of got to play that balancing act. Yeah, it is a balancing having act. having mass appeal and wanting to make a point and make some and bring up some important points and some important arguments and i think it's safe to say that you and me and quite a lot of other people would be really happy with one that was a little bit less focused on the action and more focused on the issues Mm. but they've also got to balance that with there are some people who are coming to see an mcu film and we can't spend too much time on things that aren't superhero shenanigans so they I don't know, maybe it was some studio stuff asking them to kind of do the balancing act and everything. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not I'm not criticising them, actually, because, as I say, I think the overall effect of the film has been a really positive one. So mm-hmm. the fact that it was Michael B. Jordan that was the, yeah. that was the main character, actually, I thought it was really good because he's such a good actor. Um, you told me in advance that he was in The Wire. And yeah, yeah. when I saw which character it was, mm. because that was one of the best characters in the wire that was so gut-wrenching you know i have a i have a feeling that we're going to get into spoilers for the wire everyone so (laughs) skip ahead you know 30 seconds if you haven't watched the wire (laughs) if you haven't watched the wire oh my goodness you've got to watch the wire best tv series it's like the best tv show yeah it's it genuinely might be the best tv show it's very very good and that storyline of the uh, i've I've forgotten what the character's name is but the 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 character that that michael his name is wallace yes wallace that's right it is wallace is just heartbreaking it's just completely heartbreaking and he was Mm -hmm. so much younger at the time and it was like oh it was nice to see that guy developing into a really good actor he i mean he clearly was a really good actor in the way he apparently does a good job in creed those films are apparently very good i haven't seen them because i'm not really up to date with the whole rocky extended universe but okay apparently he does a good job in them yeah yeah and the director Actually, because I looked him up to see who that was because I had forgotten his name and I've still forgotten his name again now. Mm-hmm. Actually came from, comes from Oakland, California. So ah, right, he, okay. he set that first scene, you know, of where the young Eric, if that's what he was called, in the neighbourhood that he grew up in. Um, yeah. So I thought that was, that was pretty cool as well. So, there were, you know, there were there were allusions in there there were you know the scene was set points were made and okay it's a superhero film so maybe you don't need to hmm. his name was ryan coogler ryan coogler that's right you're not yes. making the wire you're making a 
superhero Marvel film. At the same time, I do think it's really cool that we're getting superhero films now that you can have these types of conversations yeah. about. I mean, this was part of the reason why I was trying to explain, well, yeah. trying to get you on board with the idea that Marvel is making some films that are actually pretty interesting films outside of just yeah. being superhero stuff nowadays. You've got them making successful comedies with Thor Ragnarok. You have them <laughs> making successful films that bring up political points like this and yeah. eh, to a lesser extent Civil War, which is more just interesting rather than real world political. But mm. they, they've kind of started, they've gotten so comfortable making superhero films, they can actually start doing some cool things with them now. Yeah. And... Yeah, the fact that we've just had a nice long chat about that is, uh, that's the, that's it's the, again, that. a section of the goal of the podcast. So it's, I'm glad that yeah, <laughs> you got so much out of it there. Yeah. So where do we go from here then? There were, one of my main problems with it though was how they shucked or, or they tried to explain how... T'Challa got out of the challenge. He was beaten in that challenge. I'm sorry. It's a technicality. I mean... I know, yeah. The way that it sort of works, because I, I do agree with you, for a while in the film, it is a... But he did legitimately lose the challenge. So mm-hmm. what's going on here? Do they actually have the moral high ground in this situation? Or, yeah. you know, do, do they have any... Will they get any support from the tribes in a more practical way? So the rules of the challenge are... The challenge continues until someone is killed or they yield. Yeah. And the way that he gets out of it is he's chucked over the ravine. Everyone assumes he dies and then he isn't killed. And his line when he comes back is, I never yielded. As an, and as you can see, I, I'm not dead. Yeah. So technically the challenge is still going on and then Killmonger kind of shrugs it off. But it kind of mirrors earlier when they want to just banish Killmonger or kill Killmonger or imprison Killmonger or any of these things. But him being able to invoke the challenge is what allows them allows him to actually get to that position whereas they would have much preferred to just hmm. you know Im- imprison him Incarcerate or something, him or something. Yeah. so they were following those rules and then when T'Challa is still technically following the rules now that they benefit him he was still following them when they didn't benefit him and it was Killmonger that says that challenge shit is over we're just going for the fighting now so Mm. they played by the rules when it didn't benefit them when it did Mm. and eventually it was technically Killmonger that said you can throw those rules out and then they threw the rules out and then started doing whatever they wanted again Um, well not whatever they wanted but started just fighting him I agree it's not Perfect. It's not. It's but like I, oh, it's much yeah. more than not perfect. It is a total cop out to invoke a technicality like that. Just you lose any moral high ground. I guess a bit. I mean, I'm not sure if they'd just been like, oh yeah, but you lost the challenge, and there's nothing we can do about it now. That also wouldn't have been a very satisfying. They they had to go against it somehow. So I think they would have been going against it anyway. It's just that they had, they also had the technicality of, mm. and I technically didn't lose the challenge. But also, I mean, the only th- the only purpose that I think it might have served is that to what extent is it legitimate to break or bend the rules? Okay, bend the rules if mm. it was a technicality in certain circumstances where mm. there is somebody evil who has gained the ascendancy because of the rules in the first place you know do you have to stick to rules when clearly hmm. sticking to the rules is not going to be for the benefit of the that the might nation be or part the of people? the 
that might be part of the film's message because the film's message yeah. is let's start ignoring these traditions that we have that yep. don't benefit anyone and start going about what we think is actually correct in the best way that we think we can do it. Yeah. And that is what the film is trying to... Yeah. It's what T'Challa comes around to in the end. So, so the it, fact that that's a silly technicality is kind of backing up the film's point a little bit. Well, it is, but it wasn't clear that... Uh, if that's what they were intending to do with it, uh, I don't think it was presented as clearly as it might have been. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's a good question to ask. That's a legitimate debate yeah, to have. I think so. I think part of the reason why I'm semi-defending it here is that I do really like the scene where they go they go to see Umbaku in the fifth tribe and T'Challa is revealed to have, of course, been alive. I, I like that whole little sequence. Yeah. I think Umbaku is great. I yes. think he's just a fantastic supporting character and he's quite funny. He is quite funny. I, I think that whole little sequence works. I also think it's great that they had the narrative beat of T'Challa is defeated, this bad guy has the throne and has it completely legitimately. That's a really interesting beat yes, to have in a superhero film. Yeah. That felt really fresh. When I saw that for the first time, I was like, oh, whoa, okay. I wasn't expecting this. Where are they going yeah. from here? Yeah. So, yeah, I I think because it led to a nice moment on either side, I'm okay with the fact that it's not the... I mean, you know, he falls yeah. into water. It's one of those things where you're like, oh, I've seen films yeah, yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, going to yeah. be fine. But yeah, yeah not, not the best executed thing, but led to some fun stuff, I think. I agree with the scenes that it led to. And I think it was quite a good question. I think they should just have made a wee, I think they should have hmm. made a wee hmm. bit more of the question. But, so they're just leaning into stuff a little bit more yeah, that they were yeah. bringing up. I mean, maybe it was a relatively long film. Maybe they just didn't really have I enough have time That's to true. fit a lot That's of this true. stuff in. Maybe This was already over two hours, which yeah. is long for a Marvel film. It is. You never know what ended up in the cutting room floor. Yeah. Okay, another couple of things that I thought were a bit weaker than they might have been. Sure. As I mentioned before, I don't know that I would have let the nephew die just like that. I don't think I know whether... Um, Killmonger. What, at the very end? Yeah. I think, I, I, this is where I think I genuinely disagree with you, because he made a very clear choice mm. of what he wanted, and T'Challa respected his choice of choosing death over bondage. And mm. I think the fact that he didn't try super hard to save his life just to imprison him, I think that's fair enough on T'Challa's. I think, I think it's absolutely legitimate as a political statement, and it was made very strongly. I'm a mother. I was seeing that wee boy that had been abandoned mm. there, mm. and my heart just, you know, I, I, there was a bit of it that was on that, you know, individual's side there in terms of sure. deserving deserving another chance. Anyway, we've already spoken about that. But two other things: mm. the rhinos did not work oh, for me. The rhinos were so good. Oh, that <laughs> was can... just nonsense. How how did you not enjoy the rhinos? <laughs> Sorry. That bit, because they're in, it's it, it, they plant the seed early on when he's feeding a rhino yeah, and yeah, stuff, and, yeah, yeah. and you're like, oh, oh I hope how's he doing? Start oh, doing is he getting later. big? Oh, he's doing fine. And then when they're having the fight, and then the whole ground starts trembling, I'm like, oh, great, it's the rhinos coming back. Mum's gonna love this, right? Who doesn't like rhinos charging around? And you started groaning and not enjoying yourself. That they were rhinos, Mum. It was so cool. No, 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 no. It didn't work for me. <laughs> okay, I, I like that as a kind of well, partly because they're rhinos, and partly because it's quite nice world building. The whole ah yes, these tribes all have a kind of 
unique identity and stuff. And although you don't get much of an idea of the unique identity of all of the tribes that have merged together to make the four tribes the big city, mm. this is one of the things that makes one of the tribes feel more distinct. And it's nice to be like, ah, the border tribe has these big shields that they use because mm-hmm. they're on the border. And they have rhinos because they need to get around lots of open territory and things like that. And I think that was a nice little way to differentiate them a bit. Right. I mean, I can see there is a literary history, an absurdist history of rhinos being used for for absurdist effect. And I I was quite prepared to kind of accept that, but I don't know, it just somehow didn't work. Didn't work well. Okay, fair enough. Didn't like the rhinos. (laughs) As as mad as that point is, we'll accept it and move on to your next one. Um, There was also... And 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 also, I know that this is this is a challenge in many African countries still that tribes, you know, tri- tribes against each other. So actually, representing the tribes within Wakanda was very kind of true to life. Mm-hmm. What there was one bit that made me um, think, oh dear, that this can't be right. When the warrior, what was the warrior queen called? The head of the kind of the female guard. Okoye. Yes. She, um, her partner was head of one of the tribes, mm-hmm. and when they were fighting together at the end, she had her spear up, and he said, "Would you kill me, mm-hmm. my love?" And and she said, "For Wakanda, yes." And I thought, I don't know if you take nationalism so far that you would actually kill your love for the sake of your country. Um, what did you make of that bit? I don't think anyone would. I think they've set up her character well to have that be a reasonable thing that you can expect her to say. She sides with Killmonger for a large portion of the film. Well, not for a large portion, but when he takes the throne, her duty is to the throne. And you can see how conflicted she is by it, but she does still go through with it. And then when she does turn on Killmonger, it's quite a big moment and she's doing it for... Mm. You know, realizing what the throne actually represents, and it represents Wakanda and what's good for Wakandan people, and Killmonger isn't that. So then, when her husband is still on Killmonger's side, it's kind of her choosing the people and the city that she loves. I think, and I, I, I can, I can oh, okay. see it. Okay, yeah. I, I don't think it's crazy. I think if they'd, if they'd had loads of screen time together, it would have been harder for the film to sell. Mm. Although, it, I mean, you can always sell that if you just do it in the right way I suppose it's it's going to be a powerful moment I think it worked for me I think it, the the initial bit where she felt she had to support the crown because her allegiance was to the throne that yeah mm-hmm. fine I get that that's that's what guards do that's you know that's their job but I kind of felt that then there was a that subsequent moment should have she should have been more conflicted at that point when it became so personal to her in that way Maybe. I mean, it might also be a thing that she knows that he knows that he can't beat her. Someone at one point calls her the best warrior that they have. So it might be a, yeah, go ahead and call my bluff. I am going to fight you and you yeah, know I'm going possibly. to win type of thing. It, yeah. it could have just been a something she said in order to get him to back down because getting him to back down, all of his tribe then surrendered as well. Yeah, that's true. So it might have been a play. I'm not sure. I, I think I'm fine with believing that she would have done that and is willing to sacrifice her own personal happiness and her love for the sake of Wakanda. Possibly. Yeah, that, that, that's the one I feel least strongly about. You might be there. You might have persuaded me on that one, Joe. 
Okay, sure. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's uh, underneath the rhinos in terms underneath of the rhinos. Oh, yeah. Can't yeah, be yeah, made. Yeah. Okay, yeah. right. He'll fair persuade, enough. He'll not persuade me on the rhinos. No. <laughs> uh, fair dues. <laughs> So we've spoken a bit about Killmonger and how he's interesting and morally complex and a great villain and everything. Mm-hmm. Are there any other characters that you'd like to dive into? Through? Should we have a quick run through of who's there? Yes, let's. So the big main one that we've mentioned but haven't, you know, specifically delved mm-hmm. into himself is Black Panther. Black Chala, Panther, yeah. By Chadwick Chad- Boseman. What did you yes, think of him? Yes, fabulous performance. I thought it was he's brilliant. really, really great. Yeah, he is. He completely just steals the scene whenever he's on he the, the majesty does, in it yeah. he's very regal which is appropriate because he is the king now yeah i think that's what's so cool he's got so much you know dignity and gravitas i think i use that word a little bit you too do much use on the gravitas podcast yeah. but he's he's yeah, yeah. really got so much of it and whenever he walks into a room he, he's suddenly the star of that scene yes but then at the same time, I think it's really nice that he has kind of fun moments and everything. He's got like a little bit of banter with all yeah. the side characters and stuff. And you can see that he's an approachable type of guy, even though he's the king. And he's just, yeah, it's a really difficult line to ride. But it I think is he a, it's a does. completely difficult line to ride. But I think he is regal, dignified and proud. All the kind of hmm. strong elements and powerful, you know, so you yeah. you can he's got all those really strong features. But as you say, there's a there is a very human and a very wise side to mm. it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And approachable and empathetic and you can see that he's got a real feel for his people yeah. and you know, the tribes and the strength of the connection that he has for mm. Wakanda and, and all the people there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think another section of it to talk about the character specifically, you've got to love a storyline where someone is kind of getting this wisdom, quite literally in Black Panther's case, you can talk to his ancestors and his dad and everything, mm. and his character arc is going against the established wisdom like we've spoken about before and finding his own path. That's just, it's mm. always such a great character arc and it really works in this case. Yeah, totally, definitely. And I, li- I liked how the character, the Black Panther you know, costume and the the character, <laughs> actually, because I was a bit sniffy about it from in Civil War. I thought, right. oh, what's yeah? You um, couldn't quite get his vibe. You were thinking, oh, but he's meant to be stealthy and everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I I wasn't getting, but I totally got it in this one. I'm so glad yeah. he got his own movie because absolutely that that really worked for me. But the whole I love. Did I get this right? I love the way the. He had to choose the necklace, the tooth necklace, the one that he yeah, liked the best, yeah, and he chose the one that wasn't the most ostentatious one. Yeah, yeah. But the suit is kind of in the necklace. It's like, is that right? Yeah, this is vibranium <laughs> shenanigans. This okay. is just vibranium can do anything <laughs> yes. in the MCU. The of entire suit is in that can. tiny little necklace. Yeah, I mean, it's the same way that they can do spinal surgery super easily. Right. They've made spaceships and stuff. It's all just vibranium. It's just a really powerful metal for yeah. some reason. But it's very, I like it's a, it's a cool outfit. It is, I like the outfit. It's very cool and the way it, yeah. the kind of Iron Man suiting up business, the way it comes on to him as well. Yeah. I like that that's how you've learned the word suiting up. <laughs> you always think back to Iron Man for it. <laughs> so cool costume, cool guy, cool performance. Great job in general. Absolutely. Definitely. Fantastic. Yeah. So the one that stands out for me next to the two leads is Shuri. I think she's great. Mm. I think she's really cool. I think she's funny and also an interesting character that has good motivations and good scenes and 
yeah, I, I just generally am a big fan of Shuri. I yes. like a little panther gauntlets. I like how they shoot little laser beams and sound stuff. That's cool. <laughs> yes, that are, that yes, there is lots of cool techy stuff in there, which um, always always is quite intriguing to see. There's a bit of, you know, Tony Stark, James Bond, that kind mm-hmm. of a gadgety stuff going on, which is uh, yeah, which is fun. I think the kind of sibling relationship that yeah. her and T'Challa have as well is a really nice dynamic yeah. to the film. It's kind of seeing at least his character in a kind of different light. That's the right. kind of him getting to have those slightly more comedic lines whilst keeping that gravitas that he always has yes. as king and as an incredibly important person. It's nice to kind of get those little interactions, I think. Yeah, no, it was good. I d- she was the one, she's a British actress, you mentioned her. She's the one who was on Doctor yes. Who. I didn't recognise her. I don't remember seeing that Doctor Who episode with... with like I say, we've, we've probably just tried to mentally out, blank out yeah, those seasons yeah. of Doctor Who, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's Okoye, who acts as a kind of bodyguard, mm-hmm. sidekick mm-hmm. type of guy mm-hmm. to Black Panther. Again, super cool. Every time she gets an yeah. action scene, she looks amazing. Yeah, she does. No, I, I liked her a lot, actually. Yeah. And I liked the fact that the, the whole bodyguard were these Amazonian women types. They just looked, I mean, they looked super cool um, as yeah. well as being very effective. I'm also a, I'm a very big fan of the kind of deadpan comedy stuff where someone is very deadpan around slightly wackier characters and kind of the comedic stuff comes from them kind of giving someone a look or rolling their eyes or something and she yeah. definitely had that yeah and the way she, she hated that wig that she was wearing <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was that was a good comedic moment can i get rid of this thing and Shuri says just just flick it over your shoulder <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that the other one that stood out for me is Mbaku. I think again, I just he's not in it very much, but the time that he is in it for, I think he's great. He he serves his role as an imposing bad guy at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then he serves his role for a little bit of comedic relief when they're all there and you you're feeling the relief of T'Challa being okay. Yes. And then the uh yeah, the the fighting stuff. I I three very, very good supporting characters. In a in yes. a cast full of good supporting characters, those three really stood out for me. I really liked those. Yeah. No, he was good and he, he played it I can't remember what his line was at the end, but he makes a funny joke and then laughs at it himself and it that you could actually kind of feel it diffusing the tension. It just was perfect for that moment in the script. Oh, it's the bit where he says that he'll feed Martin Freeman to his children and then he laughs and says that they're vegetarians. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah, that is a good bit. Very much so. (laughs) (laughs) Right, I think that's most of what we've got to say about Black Panther. Mum, have you got any other points that you'd like to quickly squeeze in? Uh, I'm trying to remember what the end scenes were here now. Yes, Um, let's move on to end credit stuff. So the the mid-credit scene... was the UN thing. We've already kind of spoken about it. Oh, I Because it, right. it very much feels like a part of the film. It's a very natural progression. That's right, it was. And and then they're kind of poking fun at these, you know, middle-class white guys that say, oh, I'm not sure what the UN, what the world's got to learn from you African farmers. You know, ha, ha, yes. ha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, that's right. So, so that's, that's Wakanda joining the world. And then yes. the end end credit scene is with the white wolf. I thought this would remind you of it. That's they start calling Bucky the White Wolf. Bucky's in the oh, he's been working up. Oh, okay, that's right. Yes. I knew I remembered it and I'm thinking, White Wolf. Yeah, they yes. start calling him the White Wolf, which I think is a cool name for him. Now 
you said to me at the time, because I did recognise him this time, having not recognised him in Winter Soldier. <laughs> you did. Fair dues, Mum. You did recognise him. It only took us 17 films, but you have learnt the main core cast. Um, but you said to me at the time, yes, because he's in Wakanda. I didn't remember him being in Wakanda. Yes, so the last we saw there? of Bucky, at the end of Civil War, he goes to Wakanda, T'Challa is has off screen apologized essentially to him and he's saying until we can get the code stuff out of my brain i need to go into cryo sleep i need to get frozen because i'm just always a danger if i still have this stuff in my brain right and so to kind of make amends for hunting him down and trying to kill him t'challa then lets him get frozen in wakanda so he's now in wakanda not frozen he's still armless and he's kind of living off by this lake armless Um, one armless he's not he's not completely armless He's only, well, I he's mean, only he's short not, of one arm. He's, yes, he's short okay, of an arm too. That's, he's that's fair enough. He's, he's <laughs> got one arm. <laughs> What's that Peter Cook and Dudley Moore sketch? And he says, I'm short of a leg to the power of one or something. <laughs> he's only short of an arm to the power of one. He's not He's not completely armless. Sure, okay. He still doesn't have his robot arm. No. And Shuri comes down and talks to him. Yeah. And Yeah. Okay. So that, those, are the, those are the main ones. So, yeah, kind of more stage setting for what's to come next oh. which might lead us into what we're going to be watching next your, week your, if you're ready mum your wee face is shining already oh. <laughs> right so we've mentioned a couple of times in recent episodes what the point of the podcast was and it's it's probably a big mashup of different things but at least the first time that this sort of idea started to sprout I don't know if it was a podcast at the time, but trying to get you to watch all of the films mm. was very soon after I'd seen Infinity War. I don't know if which cinema viewing it was after because I saw it several times in cinema. Right. But I enjoy Infinity War, the film that we're going to be watching next week, so much that I was really trying to figure out a way to get you <laughs> to watch it. But it's impossible to watch because you have to watch 17 films before it. Right. And so... The idea of the podcast has largely been, oh, Mum's going to be able to watch Infinity War towards the end okay, of this. Okay, so it's all be been heading good. towards this this moment. This is the climax of the MCU. Everything has been set. The stage is ready. I'm mi- I'm mixing up all of my yeah, terms of phrase. Uh-huh, I'm uh-huh, so excited, uh-huh. Mum. We're watching Avengers: Infinity War next week. This is part one of the climax of the entire mcu everything comes together it's a big film i think it's over three hours it's got oh everyone my god it's not is it before i'm not sure exactly how long it is maybe it's two and a half but it's pretty long it's it's got all of the characters so we're gonna have a nice big intro with some fun things planned for next week but yeah okay. everything's gonna everything's gonna pop off Right. I, when we release the Infinity War episode. I can't wait, Mum. <laughs> Might we have a special guest for that one, even if it's such I a... I believe we will. Ah, Listeners will have to wait until okay. next week to find out. Okay. Right. Well, if you can't wait for the Infinity War episode, much like I can't, you can get in contact with us by emailing us at mymummissedmarvel at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter at mummissedmarvel. Or head on over to Facebook and join in the conversation there. For Stroop Waffle tips and wild conspiracy <laughs> theories, we've got it all. <laughs> right, well, Mum, I think there's uh, no more to do but to, on the countdown of three, say our classic catchphrase that everyone likes. So, 
three, two, one. MCU later. It's not sticking, is it? It's not sticking at all. You can do it again if you want to. How about MCU next week? Is that any better? Okay, we'll try that. Right. Uh, no, this one, this one's gone, Mum. I think we've got to go for the next, okay. next week. Okay, okay. <laughs> Bye, Mum. Bye. You have been listening to My Mum Missed Marvel, created by and starring Joe Walker and Aileen Walker, edited by Joe Walker, music by Kevin Chute, and graphics by Alex Carby. I'm actually just going to take a quick step there because I am going into red every time I laugh. Uh, okay. So I think I'm starting to peak again. I'm not entirely sure what to do. Maybe if I turn the gain down? Hello, hello. Uh, I mean, oh, hold on. That seems to have worked. Yeah. Let me turn the gain up. Hello, hello. Ah, and then I go into red immediately. What's gain? I have no idea, but it seems to be controlling input. Right, let me just try to get it so that my regular speaking voice might get into orange. No, I don't know if I want that. My regular speaking voice generally stays in green unless I go, woo! Woo! And then it goes up into orange, but it never goes to red. Uh, it never goes to red. Woo! Ah, there you go. That one didn't even go into red. That, okay, that sounds woo! better then. That one yeah. Red. Woo! Right. <laughs> Mine's going into red regardless of how high. Woo! Yeah, mine goes into red when that happens, but I don't think there's anything you can do about it. But you're not going to say, whoa, very often, are you? Hopefully not.